When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome, everyone, to this second episode of Fishology. We'll be giving you advanced stats from your 2022 Marlins players. Um, I'm joined here tonight first with Lewis. Lewis, how are you doing? I'm good, Danny. What about you? I'm doing great, doing great. And then Adam, who just finished his dinner, he had a bomb dinner, and he came in to do this podcast. Adam, first off, how was that dinner? It was fantastic, man. Had some good uh, lo mein noodles, and now we're here to talk about some Marlins baseball, so could not be more ecstatic to do so. Awesome. Well, for that first episode, we talked about Sandy. We really enjoyed that episode, so we're going to do this more on a bi-weekly basis, and for tonight's episode, we'll be talking about Jazz Chisholm Jr., one of the best young players in the Marlins, one of the best second basemen in baseball, had his season cut short due to injuries. So we'll be talking about Jazz, advanced stats, and a potential contract extension. Um, first off, um, some stats for Jazz this year. Um, only playing in, I believe, 60 games this season, having a war of 2.5, one of the highest in the Marlins despite playing only 60 games. Um, Lewis, talk to me about Jazz this season and his limited sample size. Yeah, so, I mean – I think, you know, obviously it was a shortened season because of the lower back strain, and then what turned out to be a torn meniscus was later revealed he was playing through that. Um, When you look at, I guess, the changes that he made going into 2022, there was definitely some signs of growth. He gradually upped his walk rate. I believe he was walking about 9% of the time this season after walking just under 7% last year. So, you know, that's an improvement you wanted to see from a guy. I believe he walked less than... 30 times his rookie year, which again, not encouraging, but when you see the power speed combination that he displayed as a 24 year old, it was, you know, definitely something to build off of, especially when you consider that the team was nowhere near a playoff contender in 2021. So you kind of felt that like if he took a big step forward, that he would further assert himself to be a member of that core. But yeah, you know, the power kind of met further manifested itself, which was great to see. You saw him barreling up more baseballs. Anderson's first pitch to Jazz is hit in the air and sent out to fairly deep right field. That one's going to carry off the scoreboard on the first pitch of the game. Jazz all over it, and it's 1-0 Marlins. Jazz gets into one out towards center. Way back there, way back, and it's gone! A 
we know the defense that he gives you at second base. But, uh, yeah, I mean, not to say that he would have made them a playoff team had he stayed healthy because, obviously, only one player can only do so much and one player does not make or break a season. It's a collective effort, especially in a sport like baseball. But I think the improvements that he made, you know, albeit in a smaller sample size, are very encouraging Jazz is just maybe that guy right now in a kind of like sea of nobodies um, for this for this Marlins team from the position player standpoint. Yeah, Adam, uh, I know you're a big Jazz believer. Um, we'll go into the contract talk and maybe your number compared to Lewis's later on in the podcast. But but give me a little description of your thoughts on Jazz and maybe some advanced stats you see from uh, Mr. Chisholm that might stand out to you. Yeah, so I mean, kind of like we see with Jazz Chisholm, he's for me of a three-tool player in the sense that he's got the power, he's got the speed, and he's got the glove to play second base. Uh, the reason why he's at second, not as shortstop, and actually learn later is because he has a very, very poor throwing arm, right? So that's limiting him to the right side of the diamond, and he's not the best. He doesn't have the greatest feel for hitting either. And we've seen this play out the course of his professional career. He is quite a chaser, and he doesn't make a lot of uh, contact in the zone as well. Uh, we're seeing him uh, have a lot of struggle with his bat path, which for me is an alarming issue for him going forward. But I think overall I do like the profile, and I still think that he projects to be arguably the second best – or arguably, sorry, the best second baseman in baseball at some point in his career. Uh, like you said, uh, Danny, he put up 60 or sorry, 2.5 wins above replacement through 60 games. So obviously you can't really prorate war, but, and make it really mean something, but just for simplicity's sake, and just to kind of map something out and eyeball, it's about five or six wins that he would be putting out over the course of a full year. And if yeah, was- so, um, Adam to cut you, not to cut you off, but if you go by the B ref definition of the war that he put up. Over 162 game pace, he's about he's worth about 6.8 wins. And then if you prorate his WAR on a Fangraphs basis, which I believe it was 2.3 or 2.4, you're looking at 6.2. So like you said, he's about a six win player, and you know, I mean that's valuable. If you go by Fangraphs dollars to WAR, that's about 50 million dollars a year in value. Now he's not a 50 million dollar player because no, it's he's not in that echelon of player that you feel comfortable giving that deal to. But, you know, as we'll later discuss, and like you said, he was definitely playing at a pace to further justify why he was an all-star in 2022. Yeah, I mean, Jazz, I mean, yeah, I mean, like, just, it's just that no player really, I mean, no player receives a $50 million contract per year, but also he would uh, also just be receiving a, an arbitration eligible contract that's cheaper because they would be trying to buy out his ears early on. Mm-hmm. But yeah, definitely with Jazz, I mean, you got to remember, yeah, everyone knows that he is amongst the best players, the best young players in all of baseball. And I think really the reason you would only see them not trying to pay him right now is because I think the front office might just be worried about worried about his injury or his health status, right? We've seen him <clears throat> miss over 100 games this year, and in last year he missed 40-something games, or almost 40. Uh, it's been something – got to understand, I think we, we talked about with like, – was one of my friends, I was discussing this earlier, that <clears throat> on the Marlins side, you take what I just said into account, but on the 
on Jazz's side and his camp is going to be saying his rotational athleticism and that's part of his basically the, the name of his game uh, and his ability to kind of play all over is going to is his selling ticket and his selling point because he's a shortstop and a smaller guy. So if he's going to tap it into that power, he's going to be continuing to be athletic. But they're going to try to buy into that selling point that he's going to be and bet on the fact that he's already going to be reaching it rather than not based on the fact that he's already showed out. So I really like Jazz, and he's definitely going to be worth something a lot And whenever he does receive a free agent contract. And I think I do buy the bat to some extent, but I think it's going to be safer rather than something that's going to doom him eventually. I was going to mention about Jazz, and I want you guys to tell me a little bit about his DRS, what that means, and maybe his average compared to maybe other shortstops or second baseman um, also in the league. Um, I, I was looking here. His uh, defensive run saved for – 2022 is two so i don't know if you guys can discuss maybe what that number means having a a two for a second baseman and what drs means overall per what he's done defensively the average for each position is zero it's the baseline for everything defensively zero is average being that he had plus two this year would just mean that he collectively saved about two runs on defense by way of his glove uh now i mean if you want to talk about his defense and translate that over to shortstop i think you're looking at a less valuable player i think too when you look at the offensive profile especially of shortstops now relative to second basements now jazz is a lot more valuable when you talk about him and probably the best bet for him to get a bigger contract would be to market himself as a second baseman because he definitely makes a lot of very flashy plays but there are times where you do see that the routine play can be a bit of a problem for him because he does tend to overthink a little bit as far as what i've seen with some plays maybe if he's trying to just make it look flashy you know like say chopper coming up the line and he's just like trying to get get the ball to first base make it look like all smooth and sexy and it just doesn't work he is prone to doing that every once in a while, but, you know, most fielders are. Uh, but regardless, I mean, he's a better defender at second base. And if you're going to ascribe value to DRS, I think mm-hmm. you best, you know, would want to see him play second base because I think that's where he's going to generate a lot of that value. And this into center. Jazz Chisholm makes the play. What a grab by Jazz, just kind of floating out into center field and then reaching out and hanging on. A great defensive play. Yeah, and um, Adam, I wanted to ask you almost the same thing in terms of how you view Jazz's defense and maybe what values um, or advanced stats on defense really stand out to you or something that you're really looking at um, to tell if someone's a good defensive player or below average. Yeah, so for me... I've, we, I guess I'll talk about DRS for a little bit. It's just it's simply just another metric where you can use, like Lewis mentioned, you have zero uh, to really simplify it as your average, and then just plus and a minus above, above and below that is going to be um, above and below average. So if you've got like five and minus five, that means you're about a standard deviation or a sixty or a, a forty, which is like your scouting metrics above or below the mean, right? And then if you've got you know more than that, you're fantastic. And if you keep going down, then you're really, really bad. So Jazz is right in that range where if he played a full year, he'd be about a 60, which is just 
in the range of potentially being a gold glover, and that's at second base. I think he's got the range to play shortstop, and we've talked about this before in our private chat. The reason why he's not playing second base, or sorry, he's not playing shortstop A, is because Rojas is a, is at shortstop right now, um, and he's just a fantastic gold glove caliber shortstop, whereas Jazz is likely just to be maybe an average to maybe slightly above average at short. Um, and because Jazz just, just doesn't have the best throwing arm either. And I think you, if you saw him move to short, that could improve, but I did think it's fringy at best and he's best served the second base. So Lewis, you were right about that before. And I was wrong in terms of his throwing arm and why he shouldn't be at shortstop. Um, for me, I think he's going to be just fine in terms of what, in term, what he's going to receive in a contract. We saw guys like Ruth Neto Dor and like you mentioned, Cattell Marte receive at least $50 million in the, and, you know, uh, Odor signed his deal, I think it was like four year, four or five years ago. And I think his uh, contact profile is a lot scarier than Jazz. And that's saying a lot because Jazz is a fringy hitter at best. And Odor is just, even as when he was coming up as a, con- as a, as a prospect, was not the greatest player. So I think with Jazz, I think he's going to receive, I think he's defensively, he's going to receive. Uh, he's he's been pretty good as from a DRS range, and he's going to be a plus player. What I would really look at more is OAA, because we have there's not a really a, re- a really good way to quantify kinematically. We've talked about this before. Data for uh, defense. So we've seen we see a lot of uh, raw data for off. Sorry for pitching and for hitting. You know we see exit velocity, we see spin rates, and that makes it really easy for us to kind of say, oh okay. Uh, for for the uh, statisticians and data guys to go and say, okay, we'll plug this in, and it gives us a really good number and a good ability to tell how good or how well someone is performing. Just because it's just you can't lie with raw numbers. Just like how when you get a speeding ticket, you can't lie when someone caught you speeding foot quickly. So I think with DRS, you really don't. With DRS, it's not something that you can really tell super well. And the best way we can see is. OAA, which is directional fielding, and I, by that measure, he's also pretty good. But it's just that his arm strength is not the greatest, and he hasn't, he doesn't really let it fly from second base, and that's why he's at, he's that's why he's at second. So overall, he's going to be fine. He's going to receive a nice payday, and I would, I would really hope the Marlins go after him early, and right now rather than later, because you're going to see him really perform and blossom into a superstar next year if he stays healthy. And is then his price is not going to be cheap. Yesterday's price will not be today's price then. Mm-hmm. Now, I wanted to talk a little bit about just why he will be an attractive player, and not even with projecting moving forward, but let's talk about what he's done so far. So mm-hmm. when you look at Jazz, I want to give you – here's a trivia question. I believe I sent you guys my notes this morning. Two, he's played 205 games to this point in his career. Can you name two of the three second basemen or shortstops to hit at least 30 home runs and steal 30 bases in a player's in his first 205 games? I'll give you the names, but I want to see if any of you guys could guess. Wait, so you said his first 225 games, he's hit 30 homers? No, so he's hit thir- so he's hit 30 home runs and he's hit. Or he said, thir- I believe he said 34 home runs and he's stolen about 37 bases. Right. I don't have the exact number in front of me. But Jazz Chisholm, first 205 games, he's he's pretty much gone 30 30. 34 home So he's hit 34 home runs and he's stolen 37 bases. Okay. Can you name three second baseman shortstop to do that in their first 205 games? 
Trevor Story is definitely one of them. No, it is not. So it's not. Wow. Tatis. Huh? Tatis. Yeah. Tatis is one. Bobby Wood Jr. will do it next year, but obviously he's not there yet. (laughs) Bobby Wood Jr. will be. He would Uh, need to hit about ten very early, but um. So okay. So Danny. So the so the three guys, second baseman, shortstop, in their first two hundred five games since nineteen oh one, since we have comprehensive game log data to hit at least 30 home runs and steal 30 bases as a second base. one of them player. A-Rod. One of them's A-Rod for nope. sure, right? Nope. No. Because he didn't okay, get his first full season until 96. Second baseman shortstop. Mm-hmm. Fernando Tatis Jr. Nomar yeah. Garcia Parra. Alfonso wow. Soriano. Ooh, okay. that's, that's a nice list to be on. So those are the three middle infielders to go 30-30 in their first 205 Here, Let games. me ask you guys that. Let me ask you guys this. You mentioned Tatis, Garcia, Parra, Soriano. Which of those three most likely projects Jazz season? Which one? Now, I want you guys – here's another trivia question. Obviously, Tatis, of those four guys, if Jazz is included, has the best OPS of all of them because Mm -hmm. he slugs about 600 when he's on the field. If you look at those three preceding Jazz – there's literally like a low bar, which is Soriano, because Soriano, like Jazz, power, speed, no plate discipline. Mm-hmm. Garcia Parra, high contact, but power, speed, doesn't walk as but doesn't walk as much. He was a, he's a Babbitt king, and then there's Tatis who can kind of just do everything. Yeah. Yeah, and, I know I mean, that, that's yeah. getting to the question that Danny's asking. The most similar player by OPS would be Soriano. Mm-hmm. Now, do I think Jazz? I think Jazz is a better defender than Soriano was as a second baseman because, as we saw, Soriano wound up becoming a corner outfielder and not a good one. But the bat is what kept him in the big leagues, and he was about a thirty-war player, over four hundred home runs. Garcia Parra obviously was like you know a deity in Boston. Tatis Jr., you know. We don't have enough time to really espouse on him. But with that being said, regardless of what contract you give this guy with about with the numbers that we're likely to throw out to you, if he's any one of those three players, he will be worth it. But that is very interesting company to be in for the fur as far as production and the things that are the most sexy to baseball fans. Stolen bases, although they've kind of they're kind of in vogue, or they're not in vogue given what analytics say about making outs on the bases and power. And he's got both of those things, though I think he's very sloppy as a base runner. I think he could be better. He's better with his decision-making. Um, but, yeah, any of those three that he could turn into, and I don't think he'll ever be a Tatis type. I don't think he has the plate discipline, or nor do I think he'll grow into that much plate discipline to be that type of hitter. But if he's a, a Garcia Parra type or a Soriano type or even an Ozzy Albies type who threw his first 205 games, a very similar slash slide to Jazz Chisholm. 205 games for Jazz, he slashed 243, 305, 449. Ozzy Albies, 273, 323, 458. Again, better Babbitt, so he's going to get more – his batting average will be higher. Walk just a little bit more, and the slug is – they're just about neck and neck with Jazz having an edge in stolen bases and power, but he's a 2020 guy. So that's going to lead me to the question of the contract. 
Albies, Ooh. as we know, and if you follow baseball, especially in the NL East, you know that when he signed that seven-year, $35 million deal, given the skill set, it was a steal by Atlanta. And we've seen them continue to do that with Lex Cunha, Schreider, Harris. Um, I mean, you know, Austin Riley may be the lone exception given, you know, his contract had a, it was over $200 million in um, guaranteed value. Mm-hmm. And then you have the Odor contract, which Adam touched on, which is six years, $49.5 million. Cattell Marte's deal, six years, and I believe $75.2 million. Could be wrong. Jazz, in my estimation, right now, if you were to avoid arbitration with him at the end of next year when he's first eligible, I would give him a deal of seven years and $87 million. You would buy okay. out, uh, I believe you would buy out four years of free agency. And you can incentivize that deal if he places um, in the MVP voting. If he has top five in MVP voting, you could give him theoretically five hundred thousand there. If you give him, you give him a million if he wins. You can give him a hundred thousand if he wins Gold Gloves. So you would have his AAV around twelve point five for for Jazz. Um, for That's seventy cool. for eighty seven million, yes. But again, incentivizing it. Would yeah. mean that like all star appearances, all star appearances, yeah. MVP finishes, gold glove finalist, winning gold glove. Um, if he wins a batting title, theoretically, I mean, you could throw things in there the way that Pujols' contract was filled with incentives, A Rod's contract with the Yankees after 2007. Mm-hmm. With that in mind, maybe it incentivizes him to play better. You see a deal that goes instead of 87 million, he makes between 120 and 130 million. Okay. Am I fair in my estimation, given the comps that I've kind of just listed, or am I overselling or am I underselling? What you think? What you guys think would at least be a fair deal to give him a guy who's yet to hit free agency? I think you're like that's a pretty good AAV. I would say he's probably going to get somewhere in at least they should try to target for at least six years. I would say, and I think you're also in agreement with that. He should get around eighty to million to a hundred million. I think his best comp, Lewis. I, I think it's probably not best to comp him to guys from the very past. I think it's, even though the kind of output line what you mentioned was this sim- was a similar thing. I think we can probably we have metrics that can kind of better describe uh, what a guy contemporarily would be receiving at the same position. Jazz would at least probably get double of what Ozzy's going to get, or what, what Ozzy did get, and probably more. I think 30, uh, 65 million, or at least I think it would be 70 in this sense, 70 million would be not enough to retain his services for that long. I think you would have to pay him at least 80 to 90 million. I would probably, it would probably take at least 100 if I were to take a guess and probably would, he would probably at least agree to do 70 years at that point. Um, One other contract I was looking at, obviously it's not the same exactly because it's a, you know, obviously the player plays a different position and he is a different he's he's a, he's a different age he's three years younger it's michael harris jr uh michael harris just he just signed his deal earlier and he has a similar war output prorated as jazz chisel i like what you mentioned lewis about incentives i think that's something we're going to be seeing that's going to be somewhat of a mediated middle ground between the Albert Pujols contracts that have busted, the Ron Lacuna, Ozzy Albies type, very team-friendly deals, and then players getting upset at that. I think the Julio Rodriguez deal that we saw is going to be the help. Is going to be something that is going to be the, to be the perfect compromise for players going forward. 
uh, you saw that they're going to paint him at least 200 and a quarter, I think. And he has a chance to make the most in Major League Baseball history. Obviously, that money will be eclipsed over the course of the next decade, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. But right now, that's what the figure is. So, and I think Luis, or sorry, not Luis Rodriguez, Holy Rodriguez cannot scoff at nearly half a billion dollars in, in money by that point. So, I do like that figure that you gave for Jazz Chisholm. Um, I do think that he is going to eclipse nine figures and it's not something that is out of, definitely out of the realm of possibility. I really do like Jazz and I think he's definitely deserving of it. And I think you've seen him on social media. He's not going to sign for cheap. He's not going to take something that some like maybe other guys have signed. He may not even want to go to three free agency. I think it's going to be in the 80 to $100 million range and with a lot of incentives going forward. And you definitely, you can bet that Kimang and the front office have kicked the tires on a deal like this. The front office has definitely tried to sign him or at least talk to him. They might not be at the money that Jazz wants at this point, or Jazz might not be willing to play ball at this juncture because he might want to wait until year six. And let yeah, me ask man. you guys, um, you mentioned Jazz and maybe not wanting to go to free agency. So let's just say maybe he does, you know, he, he, they can come up with a deal. He wants to go to free agency. What type of deal can Jazz get in the open market? Is, is Would a team be willing to go over, like you said, $100, $105, million to get Jazz? Or even in the open market, he's still a player that will relatively get anywhere from eighty to under a hundred million dollars. I'm, I'm sure somebody would be willing to pay him. I mean, obviously the Marlins. I mean, like if somebody were to be coming up to Jazz and calling him if he were on their team, and to offer him what they would want, what he would want, and be willing to negotiate in that range, which I'm sure there are plenty of teams who, if they had team control of him, they would be willing to do that. It may not be the Marlins, and I think they would try to come to some sort of deal. And that deal, I think, absolutely could break into nine figures, and I think there are the teams that would be willing to negotiate in that range. Absolutely. I think, you know, Lewis gave his range. I guess mine, we looked at that Michael Harris deal. Even though he's three years younger and plays center field, it's had similar output. That's what I'm looking at. Michael Harris Jr. signed for eight years, $72 million. Uh that's probably a figure that you that you could see Jazz receive down the road. I do think that Michael Harris is somewhat of an overrated bat. He's not he's I think he's a worse hitter actually than Jazz Chisholm. He probably profiles us just because he's much more aggressive. Um, I do worry about that. And I think his his output this year as his offensive output was somewhat of an anomaly. And I don't, be- I don't believe that Michael Harris Jr. will be as good of, of an offensive player. I think he's going to be a fantastic uh, defensive player. I just don't buy his offense, and I could be wrong. Like I was about him this year, I didn't think he was going to be this good. But I don't project him to, to be good for this long. So that's why I think Jazz will receive more than 72. I think he'll receive at least 80, potentially more. And given the fact that Jazz is already a year or two into his – arbitration years Harris signed very very early um I could definitely see Jazz receiving 100 million and if he were in an open market where he would be or at least not it wouldn't be an open market situation but if he were on another team and they had control of him 
they would absolutely be willing to negotiate in the nine figure range over the course of seven, maybe eight years. Absolutely. And if I were a front office that had that kind of money, I would open the checkbook and negotiate in that range if he wanted it, which I wouldn't be surprised if that's the number he wants, the baseline, 100 million. And I think the number is only going to go up from there. I don't think he signs for anything less than that, unless it's, you know, maybe five or six years. Mm-hmm. Yeah, now, Danny, I'll answer your question with regard to what he would get maybe in free agency. I think yeah. you just, I mean, you need to step back and maybe look at the factors that would present themselves. Should he get the free agency and the Marlins don't come to a deal with him before the end of the 2026 season when he would hit free agency? We can expect that his next year, he's he's not going to be arbitration eligible until next season, the start of 2024. So he's he, he will get a pay raise there, although I don't know exactly how much. You're probably looking at, say, maybe I think he could realistically fetch about $10 million for a first-year ARB guy, even it, depending on the season he has. But at that point, it's like wouldn't it would you probably just be better off signing an extension to give yourself that security? You now you could just kind of you know they say that the old adage is like now you have your money you can just kind of go out there and play you don't have a lot to worry about. The thing that I think could work in Jazz's favor to, I guess, give him. A little bit more leverage in terms of getting more money from the Marlins would just be the feeability of the position player core. I talked about this before the show. Um, they don't really have other guys playing every day that you look at and suspect, I see this guy here long term. They have guys who, in very small sample spurts, have shown encouraging signs that they could maybe be of value in the future, but not enough to where you're kind of even having the conversation about extending any of these guys. Nobody's having that conversation about the likes of a De La Cruz, of a Peyton Burdick, of, you know, a Jesus Sanchez, you know, the Marlins already have money committed to Avisar Garcia, two more years of Soler. And, you know, they're not a big market team. So these are all things that you need to consider. Um, Jazz would be 29 at the start of free agents at the start of the 2027 season. He's not, that's not old. It's not the Carlos Correa age that he's going to hit free agency at age 28, I believe. And a full, and, a, and in baseball years, a year, one year is almost like five, where that makes a world of difference with the potential money that you can get. And we know that Jazz isn't the kind of player that Correa is. That being said, you can't. It's very hard to project the kind of deal he'd get in free agency, and that's almost something like I would stray from because it's like, for all we know, he could be a bust, and he could be a one-win player at worst for the next six years. And if he is, and you give him $10 million, it's not the worst contract ever, but you're also not too happy he kind of gave that money out if he doesn't really kind of develop and blossom into the player that everybody envisions him to be because of the dynamic player that he's shown he can be. So I wouldn't even want to like put a figure on him in free agency, um, you know, in five or so, four or so, five or so years. Now, if you're talking now, if theoretically he's a free agent mm-hmm. tomorrow, then I think the contract is the same that I posed earlier. I think he would get something in the range of seven years and 85 to 90 million because I think there's still a lot more that he can unlock in his skill set. 
I, yeah, so I, I also I kind of misunderstood the question that Danny asked um, completely, but I think I think I'm, I'm going to try to answer it here. So with Javi, I think Javier Baez, as we talked about before the show, is probably the most similar, most uh, recent comp you can make for Jazz Chisholm. And obviously, what's going to happen over the next four years before Jazz hits free agency is a like is a different story. We don't know what's going to happen, uh, but I think if you estimate that jazz continues to play and continues to develop into the star that we think he's going to be and the way that we have the way that he kind of has been developing though so far i think you can kind of expect to have a javier baez type ascension over the course of the first six or seven years of his career um that being said javier baez signed a six-year 140 million dollar contract this past off season there will be obviously inflation and I mean, there has been, and there will be inflation from one contract to the next over the course of four years. So I do think that Jazz Chisholm, if he were to wait, would receive a contract in the AAV neighborhood of 20 to 25 million, just the same way the Javier Baez did, and potentially more if he were to be playing at the same rate right now. But I think he could be better than Javier Baez, just simply put, because Jazz Chisholm, I think, is a more disciplined hitter than Javier Baez. Obviously, Javier Baez is a much better defensive player, but I do think that Jazz is the safer offensive bet. So I do think he'll get paid more. I think you could see, potentially see him get paid as much as $175 million if he were to get better. And the skies, you know, it really will go up from there. There really is no limit because he's so young. So it is kind of early to tell, and time will tell with Jazz Chisholm if he can stay in the field and if he can continue to curtail those strikeouts those strikeout numbers, he'll be a fantastic player. I already think he'll be a star. Um, and like you mentioned, Lewis, he's really Miami's only offensive franchise cornerstone. It's unfortunate that guys like Lewis Brinson, Alfaro, Diaz, Harrison, Yamamoto, the list goes on and on with prospects, just did not pan out. The guys that they traded for and hoped that would actually fuel the rebuild. Sixo Sanchez, it, it – for me, I think that doesn't really give him a lot of leverage in contract negotiations. Um, but you do, but that is a good point that he is one of the only pieces. I think the last thing I'll say is that the way that the another way you kind of go about estimating it I, I, you, is that you can say he's got four years left of arbitration, of, he's got one year left of pre arbitration, and then he'll start receiving, he'll be able to go in the courtroom with his. Uh, with his agent and they'll be able to negotiate a better salary for three more years after that. And I think there's a chance he could make in the range of maybe 50 million if all goes well during the, over the course of that time. So that's your first three years for 50 million. And then for those last three, which I'm assuming he's going to sign a six year deal and it could be more. So if it's, if you're for you, Lewis, you estimated seven, so let's say four, you're trying to estimate how much value he'll be worth over those years. So if you, I think what we can do is take Javier Baez's and Javier Baez is receiving an AAV of 23 million. So let's call Jazz 20 million to just to be safe. It would be 20 million over the course of four years. That would be eight plus your 50. That would be 130. So that's like a high high bounds of what its value total value is 
and obviously because it's it's um pre-arb he would be receiving less than that so um for me jazz receiving that uh, receiving a kind of deal in the 80 to 100 million would be an absolute steal just because he's definitely able of commanding a lot more based on what we've seen other guys receive I, like i mentioned the one the 130 is kind of high but that's just like a high bound to what he could get Eight and one thirty would be similar to the kind of deal that Freddie Freeman signed with the Braves mm-hmm. um, around the time they locked up the likes of Tehran and Kimbrel in the early twenty tens. It's not the worst idea, and I also think too, if you say avoided arbitration on an eight year deal like that next year, it gives the team some financial flexibility to kind of explore um, further upgrade, augmenting the roster with names that could. Uh, Definitely help the team score more runs. I mean, the biggest concern, I think, with the Marlins is getting guys in the lineup that see a lot of pitches and get on base. Uh, They were last in the National League in walks this year. I think they would have maybe been slightly better off if Jazz had stayed because of the the metrics that we saw. His uh, outside zone percentage, as far as him swinging, went down a little bit. He was walking slightly more, as I noted at the outset of the show. But what I'll say is this. The way I see, think of Jazz Chisholm right now, and 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 I want and I don't want to say this to mitigate or not even just mitigate to offset any of what I've said previously. You guys ever go on Amazon or you go on a website, you're doing online shopping, and you put something in your cart, but you're not 100% convinced that you <laughs> want to purchase this thing all the time. That is how I feel about Jazz being in Miami long-term, not because I don't think he's a great player and I don't think he will be a great player. I firmly believe and hope taking off the objective cap, being a Florida resident that he will be, but I need to see a full season where he further builds on the gradual improvements he made in 2022 before we go ahead and anoint this guy as one of the faces of the franchise, though he, to many, he may already be. And again, it goes back to just the position player core not being what it, the organization envisioned at the outset of the rebuild five years ago. But give me a full season of everything that this guy can do, further build on what he's done, and then we can re- talk about extending him with true blue sincerity and fully committing to him long term. So, um, Adam Lewis, any final thoughts uh, mentioned about Jazz? Maybe his 2022, what you saw, maybe his future before we ended off? Right. I think I was somewhat high with my 130. I think he could receive 15. That's one thing I wanted to say. Uh, But you're right, Lewis. He is a face of the franchise. Um, I still think we've seen him in the aggregate over the course of 162 games still produce quite a bit. Like You'd still be very productive. Um, Obviously, he was injured and he has been hurt for quite some time over the past two years since he's been a major leaguer. But I think this contract does mitigate that risk in there. If you were to sign him from that 80 to 100 million, obviously like that 130 was somewhat higher. But I do think that it's a safe range, and I, that is a contract I would pay him now. Um, that is something before, and I would try to get him locked up early because you're going to – we talked about this with Eli, and he mentioned earlier. 
that you do want to get him now sooner rather than later because the price is going to go up majorly as the season goes on as he plays well because he is a superstar caliber talent when he's healthy and when he's not I mean, when he can actually hit when he, he has he has shown that he has been hitting this so far so there really isn't at least right to, up to this point no cause for concern and i would pay jazz as soon as possible i think that is for me that is I mean, Marlins offseason probably number one, but I don't think Kim Ng and company see it that way. And that's unfortunate because he is probably the best offensive talent the team has had and the most exciting offensive player the team has had since Giancarlo Stanton. All right. Uh, Lewis, do you have anything before we go? I'll put it this way. If he sustains the 860 to, say, OPS that he – put together in 2022, say he sits around 800 to 850. Then, and if the defense holds, again, I have no problem extending him, but I would hope for the competitive future um, chances of this franchise that that's not the high bar for what we have offensively and that we can maybe just, like I said, that this organization can get, you know, whether it's through free agency or we just see growth from guys in the minors and make and strides that guys who've already been in the majors show in the big leagues that we could see somebody maybe match his production from an OPS standpoint, whether that's doing it a different one way or doing it another, walking more, hitting a lot of homers, whatever it may be. You kind of just hope that you kind of get more guys that can produce at near or slightly better than what Jazz is doing, and or at least what we last saw of him. And yeah, that's really all I have to say about that. All right, that's going to do it for episode two of Fishology. Um, we love talking stats, talking everything for the 2022 Marlins, everything. So remember, this is going to be a bi-weekly show. We'll be back in two weeks. we got to go into the lab and find out which Marlins player we're going to talk about next. But for myself, for Daniel, for Lewis, for Adam, for Eli, in the back, doing all the work, this is Fishology. Thank you. Thank you.